Welcome back to the Canine Performance Podcast with your host, Natalie, and my co-host, Matt. And uh, we had a great time doing the first episode, and currently in front of us, we are on Instagram Live, we're on Facebook Live, we are recording with a regular camera, and uh, we're also obviously recording this podcast. So thanks for tuning in, and without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Natalie so she can talk to you guys about our topic of the day. Topic of the day is going to be motivation, which I'm really excited to talk about because motivation can be really tricky for a lot of dog owners. Um, Some people are like, oh, my dog's not motivated to want to work for food, work for toys, whatever it may be. There are a lot of factors that impact a dog's level of motivation. So we're going to go ahead and talk over all of those. I have some notes here, so we'll go ahead and scroll through that. So there are three primary things that dogs are going to be motivated by. That's going to be food, praise and affection, and then toys. Most dogs, actually all dogs, are going to be motivated by food because they need food to survive. So when someone says, oh, my dog's not food motivated, we need to ask a lot of questions because if that's truly the case, then there's something very wrong with your dog. And so what impacts food motivation? We One of the first things that I like to ask is, how are you feeding your dog? A lot of people have uh, free feeding, which means that the dog just has a food bowl sitting out at any time that the food gets low, then you just put some more food in it. There's not a scheduled time that owners feed their dog. It's kind of just a free for all the time. Even for owners that do feed their dogs at certain times, what ends up happening is that they give out random treats during the day. And that heavily impacts food motivation as well. Kind of think of it as like if you were at work and you're working and then your boss walks by and he just gives you free money. You're like, oh, free paycheck. Why would your dog want to work for you at any other point in time if they're always getting free paychecks all the time? So taking a look at how you're feeding your dog, how you're structuring it, and when you're feeding your dog, are you just setting food down? Um, Are you asking your dog to participate with you? For those individuals that are saying that their dog doesn't have a lot of food drive, one of the top things I recommend is to have a strict feeding schedule and also to hand feed your dog. I think that hand feeding your dog, um, also known as existential feeding, is one of the best things that you can do um, to build that food motivation. And it also is a way for you, you to teach your dog to engage with you and to have motivation to want to work with you as well. So that's one of them. Um, For physical affection and praise, some dogs really do truly love physical affection and praise over other things. Atlas, he's definitely food motivated, but he definitely likes his his praise as well. He's always wanting to have some physical touch. Um, I like to use that as a supplement to food as a reward. Um, And then for toys or for play, That's a really great one. Some dogs are really motivated by toys, but there are some things when it comes to this type of motivation and that there are rules to play. One of them is that when you say out to drop the toy, that that needs to always happen. So you need to work on that first before you start using toy as a motivational reward. And then for two they always need to bring it back to you. So some dogs have a propensity to go and get the toy and then not bring it back. Aurora 
is one such dog. She will go for the ball, but then she'll just end up throwing it around for herself, kind of like a cat. So um, that's one of the rules when it comes to play. Um, another thing that impacts motivation besides those those are the three different types of what impacts those different things. You have to take a look at the environment that the dog is in. So environment is a huge impacting role when it comes to dogs. They're always, um, they're very visual. And so, for example, when you're training your dog, environment comes into that. So if you always train your dog in your living room and you're always facing them the same way, if you try and change the environment, like go outside to your driveway or do it in a park, um, then, and you give the same command that you always did in your living room, they're going to look at you like you're crazy because environment plays such a big role. So if it's a stressful environment for them, they might not have any food motivation. I see this a lot with my board and trains. Um, the first day or so they're not really motivated to work for their food because they're in a new environment. Um, and then also when it comes to play as well, they can be easily distracted. So really taking a look at the environment that a dog is in, um, and motivation, I have to say, it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that has to be built up over time. Um, and it's something that you actively have to work on consistently. It's not really something that you can do once a week. You have to be really consistent in building up that motivation, that engagement, um, with whatever it is. For me, I really like to use food, um, cause it's just one of the easier ways that I can do it with my dog's food, um, at the end of the day. Um, Another thing when it comes to motivation is um, talking about the hierarchy of rewards. Um, sorry, I kind of have a little bit of a cold. Um, so there's a hierarchy of rewards. So obviously, most dogs don't want to work super hard for their kibble. But if you get out training treats or if you give them scraps off of your plate, then they're really interested in you. And what can sometimes tend to happen is that you do that so frequently that when you have a lower tiered reward, um, their motivation just isn't going to get there. So if you were always giving your dog really tasty treats, say you were giving them steak off of your plate and then you switch to giving them kibble, they're like, ah. I don't really want to work for that. They're not going to be motivated to do that. So just keep in mind that you cannot, it's harder to go backwards through the hierarchy of reward um, from like human food, training treats, and then kibble, we'll call that our hierarchy, than it is to move up in the hierarchy. So say for example, if I am working in my living room, I can start off with using kibble. And then if I want to teach them something new, I can start using a higher value food reward to increase their motivation, to increase their engagement, but I can't do the opposite. I can't start with a higher value motivational reward. I use Happy Howies a lot. I just, it's a, it's a treat roll that I just cut up. Um, and I wouldn't be able to start with that and then move to the kibble because they're not going to be as interested to work really hard for something that is a lower motivational reward for them. So that's another thing. Um, if you have a dog that won't uh, eat their dry food, and so you're like, oh, my dog really needs to eat, uh, so you start putting wet food on top of it or you start adding some additives to it, and then you take those out, and then your dog kind of you know, sticks up his nose at the dry kibble without any wet food on top of it because you've trained them of just like, oh, if I say that I'm not going to eat, 
my there's going to be a higher level of food reward that's going to be coming. So in a way, they almost train us. So that's kind of a crash course on motivation when it comes to dogs. There's a lot that goes into that. When it comes to motivation, what are what are some ways that people can determine if their dog is properly motivated? You know, are there is there a, a ranking system or a way to kind of be able to tell whether or not a dog is truly motivated to work? What are some of the ways that people can get their dog motivated if their dog isn't, you know, isn't inherently really motivated? Um, I'm going to use food because I think that that's the easiest one and the one that most of us use with. So what he's asking is how to tell if your dog is motivated and if they're not, how to do that. So to tell if they're motivated is just grabbing their kibble at the normal feeding time. So say that you feed your dog at 7 p.m. at night, grabbing their food and trying to train with them. And if they're not really engaged with you, like sometimes they'll take their food and they'll kind of chomp on it. And then like they're kind of looking around for other things to do. There's not a super high level of motivation for working with their food. So what you can do is that you can fast your dog. There's actually a lot of health benefits that comes from dogs fasting in the wild. They go several days without eating. So for me and my board and trains, if they do not want to eat during the training session, then they simply skip the food that they would have gotten during that training session. So for example, on the first day that they're with me, sometimes the dogs are just so stressed or they just don't have a lot of food motivation that they just don't eat during that time. And that's totally okay because tomorrow morning, they're definitely going to be a lot more motivated to want to work for me. And so if you have a dog that is not as motivated to work with you, not as motivated to work for food, fast them for 24 to 48 hours, skip a meal or two, and then work with them again. Now, what are some of the ways to, I suppose, practice building that motivation consistently? You know, what are some habits or routines that people can build into their daily schedule of dog training or just living with their dog? that will be conducive to building healthy habits, good habits that make their dogs um, highly motivated to work for them. I think that there's two ways that you can do this. And one of them is how I do it for all of my board and trains. So for the puppy that I have right now, he gets one cup of food in the morning and one cup of food at night. And so I've split each of those and I have them into little bags. And so he gets four training sessions during the day and I have them split up into individual bags. So he it's it's very already all measured out and I have set times that I'm going to be training him. So that's one way to do it. So you can practice training all throughout the day or just being consistent and either if you have time in the morning to take their kibble, their raw food, whatever it is, and train them at time or at night. I like to do it at night with my own dogs and just being really consistent with that. So that way when you take their kibble and you go to a place that you normally train, your dogs start getting really excited because they know what's about to happen. So when I take my dog's food and I don't put it into their crate, but I walk into the living room, they get really excited and they're wanting to work for me. They start offering me behaviors because they're they're pushing me to say, hey, I'm sitting, I'm laying down, I'm moving around. Like, what do you want? Like, I want this food. I'm, I'm working for you. I'm engaging with you, whatever it may be. You know, what are some of the reasons why it's beneficial to have a motivated dog? What are, what are some of the benefits to both owners and dogs themselves in being motivated to work? Yeah, definitely. So having a dog that's motivated to work with you, it not only makes training significantly easier, 
Um, but for you, it also install instills a level of discipline within yourself that you have these set and dedicated times where you are deliberately um, interacting with your dog. Because I think that for a lot of us, if we're not in the habit of training with our dogs, we're never really deliberately interacting with them um, and actually having times that we are teaching them something new we're asking them to focus on us so it really builds an incredibly stronger bond and relationship with your dog um, and then for the owner side as well um, it gives you more discipline within your schedule and um, you also it's it's just a lot of fun with your dog I'm always looking for ways that I can have more fun with my dogs so the last couple of things that I want to touch on when it comes to motivation is that for dogs um, we are unintentionally rewarding our dogs all the time with different forms of motivation so affection is a huge one um and a lot of people don't realize when they're petting their dog it's just kind of almost an offhand sort of habit that they get into but just remembering that you get whatever you pet a reward so you see a lot of the time that a dog may be stressed or anxious or barking when they're in a new environment and the owner will go, Shh, no, it's okay. It's okay. And they start petting and reassuring their dog. And what's actually happening is that you're using that motivation of them having that praise and physical touch. And you're actually reinforcing that bad behavior of the barking or the anxiety, the insecurity, whatever it is. And so they're like, okay, if I bark, if I'm nervous, all these different things, I'm going to get rewarded for that and I'm going to be even more motivated to continue with those behaviors in in the future. As I know in our last episode, the first pillar uh, that we touched on in dog training was timing. So when we talk about motivation, how does that kind of relate to timing within the construct of the um, five pillars of dog training? Yes. So motivation and how that fits into the five pillars is that you in training they need to be motivated to work with you and you can't have consistency and you can't create clear communication and you can't have correct timing if your dog isn't motivated to want to work with you um and so all of them are interconnected um and so when it comes to training if they're not motivated to want to train with you you can't instill anything else um in, in training with them. Awesome. Well, we've got a question coming in on Instagram live from the balance canine. The question is what training actions do you consider socialization and what constitutes a socialized dog? Excellent question. I actually really love that because I think that a lot of people consider socializing your dog um, for them to have direct interaction with one another. And I don't consider that socializing your dog. And in this instance, socialization as in um, your dog to other dogs. There's also social um, socialization as in getting out into new environments. But when it comes to other dogs, um, people want them to interact and say hi and you don't need to do that. That is play, whereas in socialization is dogs occupying the same space and being okay with one another, that they don't always have to play and interact. 
They don't need to be aggressive towards one another. Whatever it is, I'm not asking them to interact. I just want them to be okay and be in the same space. So one of the really great things that I like to do is to have dogs up onto a climb command or a place command, depending on whatever you teach your dog or go to your spot and having them in these different places and just being in the same space as one another. Another thing is if you have dogs in their crates or in their kennels and getting used to one another. So for example, when you bring a dog home, that's one of the ways that I would socialize them and introduce them to dogs that are already within the home pack group. All righty. We have another comment from Fun Size Phoenix. My dog is particular about who plays with her. When she tells other dogs off, is there a way to correct her or should I respect her communicating that she doesn't want to play with that dog and simply remove her from that situation? Yeah, excellent question. So for me, I don't expect all dogs to like other dogs, just like I don't like some other people. It depends on how your dog is telling other dogs off. If it's an aggressive, it's if if it's in an overly aggressive way and she's doing that to a lot of different dogs, then that's a behavior that needs to be corrected. But in this instance, it sounds like you should respect her choice of not wanting to interact with certain dogs because there are just some dogs that are going to be too pushy, too much inappropriate behavior. And that's why I don't like dogs to meet on a leash, go nose to nose, nose to butt, because it creates too much pressure. And if it's a dog that has inappropriate behavior and you can't control that, especially in a environment that you can't control it in, then that's just kind of a recipe for disaster. So either removing her from that environment um, and just interpreting her body language and the level of intensity that she is telling the other dog off, however you said it. Now, Shaw the Malinois says... I think it would be harder to train your dog when you feed raw. It is not as easy as picking out kittle and training with them. Do you have any tips for training with raw food? Yeah. Paul Steps to Hopes also confirms that she feeds raw or he feeds raw and can confirm the difficulty. Yes, absolutely. I hear that all the time of people that I talk to, that feeding raw is really hard. And what people have said is that um, I think it's actually Miss Rebellious or Miss Rebel. I, I can't remember, but she has some excellent videos on her page of her actually rewarding her dog with her raw food um, with a spoon. So she uses a food, a spoon, but some other people actually use um, just gloves and do it that way as well. So I totally give you credit if you can do that with raw food because it is difficult, but it is at the same time, it's doable. All right, we had another one in there. Scroll down. I don't know if you mentioned this, but how important do you think it is for dogs to be motivated by affection? It, oh, that's another excellent question because that's something I should have for sure touched on when I was talking about motivation is that we do not get to decide what your dog's motivation is. That's for them to tell us. We can we can certainly build certain aspects of it, but if my dog is super, super motivated for food and not motivated for toys, I can definitely build up his toy motivation, but he's always going to be intrinsically more motivated by food. So if your dog is super, if your dog isn't super motivated by physical affection and touch, you can build it up to a point where it can be rewarding. But if something else is going to be more motivational and more rewarding for them, that's not for us to decide. That's for the dogs to decide. 
if that makes sense. Looks like before we wrap up, we have a f- another question coming in on Instagram Live from Lady and the Dogs. I know you said that significant other isn't a dog trainer. Are you only training your personal dogs, or does he help in any way? I'll oh, wow. So uh, to answer your question, and thank you for, for calling me in here, um, I'm not a dog trainer. Now, obviously, you know, when you spend time around dog training and you're in the same room as it and you are required to learn how to use things like the e-collar and different training techniques and tools, you tend to pick some things up. So while I'm not technically a dog trainer, you know, I do have somewhat of an acumen for understanding some of these concepts. Now, my personal background is in personal training. And so uh, there's a lot of correlations between how you train humans and how you train dogs. Um, so some of the same things that I've learned from taking people from shit to fit are also the same things that Natalie applies when she's taking dogs from, hmm, well, we'll have to think of a cool analogy for, for that one, a good tagline, um, from, I don't know, we'll have to think on it. I'm not that sharp. But um, I do help. You know, I take dogs on walks. I help act as a uh, distraction in a lot of circumstances, whether it's intentional or, or sometimes unintentional, but uh, I do my best to help out. Question above, have you, from the Balanced Canine, have you found any breed to be particularly hard to motivate? Hmm. Excellent question. I'm trying to think of all of the, like, oh, I've trained so many dogs, it's hard to... There's some of them that definitely stand out, but not any particular breed because I think it really comes down to how they were raised. It's not really a particular breed that I found. Like, for example, huskies can be really stubborn, but you can train them. But it kind of depends how they were raised when they were little. So to answer your question, no, not really. Um, There's been some quote unquote high drive dogs that I've had the honor of working with and they were not high drive dogs at all they just weren't motivated so like some German shepherds um some labs things like that which are typically motivated by food or for working for um for affection and praise and everything like that and they just weren't interested so I think it really comes down to uh how they were raised and partially probably genetics as well now from ch weimer 12 Not necessarily on the topic of motivation, but is there a way to motivate your dog to stop barking at other dogs when they see them pass by your house? Now, fun fact here, C.H. Weimer is Courtney, my younger sister, and she's talking about Cody, our family dog, who has not been trained by Natalie. No, no. Cody can do what Cody wants to do. He's old. Um, But for Cody's barking, because he's a barker, um... I tell people if they don't want to train their dog with an e-collar, you need to keep a dog on the leash and try to curb a lot of that window reactivity. So um, making that, um, taking away their entertainment and the motivation to go and do that because if every single time they go to the window to try and bark and they get led away from that, they're going to get tired and just be like, okay, I'm going to go over there and I'm just going to be brought back. So people underestimate the value and the power of keeping a leash on your dog inside of the house i think it's like one of the best things that you can do if your dog's not e-collar trained put a leash on your dog so yeah put a leash on cody bring him away from the window tell him to go into his crate he's not supposed to be moving around anyway okay so from shaw the malinois my dog wasn't great with other dogs but she's a change dog now with prong and e-collar i want to start walking 
her alongside other dogs without meeting them. Do you think this is a good approach? Yes, 100%. Absolutely. I think that this is actually one of the ways that I tell clients to introduce a new dog into the house, not only not letting them meet nose to nose by having them greet each other within a crate, but to introduce them by walking on opposite sides of the road and both just going on a walk like a really long walk and then at one point when you can tell that they're more relaxed into the walk they're not really anxious or scanning the environment or anything like that start to bring them closer and really heavily monitoring how their body language is you know what's their attitude and their temperament like in that situation and they don't need to meet at the end of the walk but just simply walking and occupying the same space and having that sort of pack for a little while that is super helpful so yes that's a super great approach i support awesome so to close things out maybe very briefly before we end the podcast here just give us a quick spark notes recap of motivation uh the three things that you had touched on and then you know as it relates to the five pillars of dog training and why it's so important before moving on to the next step yes awesome so spark notes for this podcast motivation three primary forms of motivation. It's going to be food, physical touch and praise, and then toys as well. You can build up motivation, start doing existential feeding, which is hand feeding, stop free feeding your dog, take a look at the environment that the dog is in if you feel like your dog doesn't have motivation. Um, and motivation is important when it comes to the five pillars of dog training um, because you can't train your dog if they are not motivated. Awesome. And what can people expect on the next episode of the Canine Performance Podcast? I believe we'll be on pillar three of the five pillars of dog training. Yes. So the next topic that we're going to be covering is going to be consistency and why consistency is the key to dog training. So stay on the lookout for that one. Awesome. Well, thank you again, everyone, for tuning into this episode, the second episode of the Canine Performance Podcast with Natalie and myself, <clears throat> Matt. And we will see you all on the next one. Once again, you can find us on social media at canine underscore performance. You can find us online at www.canineperformancecoach.com. We will see you guys in the next one. <laughs>